What we're trying to do is to get back to first-hand accounts of Jesus' life and ministry. We want to understand who he was. We're not interested in who people today say he was, uh, not interested in any of that. What we want to do is get back to first-hand accounts uh, of who Jesus was. And Mark's gospel is that. It's a first-hand account written during the time, during, uh, within a generation of Jesus' death and resurrection. So uh, people that Mark was writing to, many of them had witnessed uh, these uh, events in Jesus' life. I want to start reading in Mark chapter 7 from verse 14, and as usual, I'll read the uh, whole account all the way through, and then I'll make some comments afterwards. Mark chapter 7, uh, verse 14. See if you can pick up yourself what Jesus says that explains why Alicia Head would have claimed to be a survivor of 9-11 when she wasn't, and if you can't pick it up, don't worry about it. I've had more time to live with this than you have, but uh, see if you can pick it up. Verse 14, again. Jesus called the crowd to him, and he said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside of man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Eight, verse 18, are you so dull, he asked. I mean, <laughs> that's a pretty harsh way to ask that question. And I just want to reassure you that that's not really how it reads uh, in the Greek New Testament. Uh, in the Greek New Testament, it says, are you so stupid? No, it doesn't say that. It says, it says do you not understand? That's, that's how he asked the question. Do you not understand? Don't you see that nothing enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? Verse 19, for it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. And then Mark gives us this little parenthetical comment. He says, in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Underline that statement, because it's going to become important in a little bit. Verse 20, he went on, what comes out of a man, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside. And make a man unclean. So if you were with us last week, we saw this whole conflict start to brew last week. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law had their proverbial panties in a wad because Jesus' disciples ate with unclean hands. And as I mentioned last week, uh, this wasn't about just having a few wet wipes uh, around to solve the problem. That wasn't what the issue was. This was about how the religious leaders in Israel interpreted and applied the Mosaic law. This was about holiness. This was about uh, their disobedience to God's law as the Pharisees interpreted and applied God's law. Now, I realize that when you read a passage uh, like this in the Bible today uh, in 2015, it's very tempting to think of this as a controversy that is arcane and it's irrelevant uh, for us today. But uh, you would be very incorrect uh, in that. There's keen insight into human psychology here. And more importantly, there's, key, there's some phenomenal and very profound theology that gives us insight into human psychology here that helps us understand someone like Alicia Head's behavior, but it also helps us understand your behavior and my behavior. Okay, So all of us are included in this. I've said this before on numerous occasions that good psychology is good theology made personal. And I think there's good theology here that helps us understand something about our psychology. And I want to just start with this. Let's make this the first point today. Jesus teaches us here, and I hope you'll write this down somewhere, make a note of this, uh, you know, either on your phone or your iPad or whatever electronic device you have, or just if you're using a pen, write it down somewhere. Every human being, every human being has an innate sense 
of his or her uncleanness. Okay? I think that's what Jesus is teaching us here in part. That every human being has an innate sense of his or her uh, uncleanness. I said this a moment ago that the issue at hand here in this passage is an argument over the Mosaic clean laws, the clean laws from the Mosaic law in the Old Testament. Now here's kind of, just let me summarize how these go. If you touched a dead body like an animal or a human being, if you had an infection of some kind on your skin, if you came in contact with mildew, if you had diarrhea, if you'd been bleeding, uh, if you ate food made of animals that were unclean, uh, all of these things and more could make you ritually impure, defiled, unclean, meaning what? Meaning that you couldn't go into the temple to worship God with the rest of the believing community in Israel if you were unclean. Now imagine that. (laughs) Imagine if we did that today. Imagine if we had people at the doors asking you before you came into the worship center, have you had diarrhea this week? Uh, Any skin infections? What did you eat this week? You had some bacon? Sorry, you can't come in. In fact, next week, none of you would be able to come in after the fall festival. Would you agree? Yeah. (laughs) All of this, you see, was intended by God to be... Here's what it was. Uh, This is like religion 101. So like he's taking these people, and he wants them to understand, and so he gives them a visual aid of sorts to help people understand that human beings are spiritually and morally unclean. And that you just can't... You just can't go into the presence of a perfectly holy God unless there is some kind of spiritual purification that happens first. So it was like a visual visual object lesson. And then, of course, part of the purpose of these laws were intended to point people to a Messiah who one day would come and once and for all purify humanity of our sins. That was the purpose of these laws. Now, I want you to notice something for a moment about this passage. Jesus disagrees with the teachers of the law about the source of uncleanness, and he disagrees with them about what to do about uncleanness, which we'll get to in just a minute. But what he doesn't disagree with them about is our uncleanness. So, like, he's not disagreeing that humans are are, are unclean. Disagrees with the source. He disagrees with what you're supposed to do about it. But he doesn't deny that all of us are unclean. Jesus agrees that we're unclean before God. Look at at verse uh, 15. He says, Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. So he's saying, humanity is unclean. Then look at verse 23. All these evils, he has that list of evils before, and he says, all these evils come from inside. And make a man unclean. So he's agreeing that human beings are unclean. Now, I I, look. I think in the 21st century that is very hard to hear, especially to a culture in which everyone is celebrated for their specialness, and like trophies are given away just for participation and stuff, and. Like anything that could be even remotely considered offensive is censored, in effect, by social media today, right? Uh, Political correctness, you know, we have to always make sure that we're saying the right things. But Jesus isn't really concerned with political correctness. He's not concerned with, uh, you know, not offending your sensibilities. What he wants to do is tell you the truth so that he can help you. 
right? So he's like a doctor. You go to the doctor. Does it help you if the doctor says, you know, look, you're, you're so special. You're just so special. Let me give you a trophy for coming into my office. No, the doctor says, you're sick. You're sick. And you need help, and here's what will help. Here's the antidote. Here's, here's what will make you well. Okay? That's what Jesus is doing. Not worried about political correctness. Okay? So to say to people today, though, that you're unfit for the presence of God, that doesn't go down well in our culture. And then there's also the fact, we talked about this last week too, that we, we live in a culture today in which no one can say, like no one is willing to say that there is any absolute sense of right or wrong. Truth, morality, uh, it's all relative, people say, to each and every individual. So you may be wondering, with all of that true in our culture today, how is it possible that I could say that what Jesus is teaching us is that people have some innate sense of their uncleanness when most people wouldn't even agree today uh, that there is such a thing as moral uncleanness. In fact, culturally today, we believe that human nature is basically good. So how can I say that we have some innate sense of our uncleanness? Doesn't all of that contradict my point that we have an innate sense of our uncleanness? It's a fair question, and I understand why you ask the question. It's very fair. But I want to answer that question with a question or a series of questions. Okay? Why do some, so many of you work way too hard? And you're always saying, if I just get to this level, or if I just make this much money, then I can relax. But you never do. You never do. You just work and work and work and work. Why? What, what need is driving that? And why is it that some of you have such a hard time disappointing anybody? Like, you have no boundaries. And so no matter what people ask you to do, you'll do it. You can never say no. Why is that so hard? What, what need is driving that? And why is it that, that some of you have these enormous self-doubts? Where are those self-doubts coming from? And why is it that if your boss says to you it's time for your performance review, you just automatically get so nervous? Why is that? And why is it that so many of you, especially women, why is it that so many of you hate your bodies? Why is that? What drives that? And why do so many of you hide behind your occupation? Like if somebody were to say to you, hi, you know, my name is, my name is Jeff, uh, you know, I introduce myself to you, and, and uh, you know, I say, tell me about yourself, the first thing you'd tell me is, that here's what I do for a living. Why, why is that? Why, why do so many of you, us, I include myself in some of these things, why, why do we hide ourselves behind our uh, occupations? I, I want you to understand that I, I do understand that there are all kinds of things that contribute to these kinds of issues that I just raised, these questions that I just asked. I mean, you know, your mom and dad didn't love you enough. Maybe they didn't treat you right. And that may very well be. I, I'm not suggesting that that isn't true. That could all be. But what I'm saying to you this morning is that underlying all that, the reason that you do all of those things is that there's a part of you that knows that you aren't up to spec. 
Now look, you, you might call it a complex or something. Like you might try to psychologize it. I want you to theologize it this morning and understand that the reason for these things is that there is an innate sense that you don't measure up and that somehow you have to clean yourself up. You're not acceptable as you are. And you know down deep, if people really knew you, and let me just tell you, they, it's true, they would reject you. Somebody told me one time, they said, you know, you know Jeff, you're a pastor, and, and like if you, if you ever wanted to do something else for a living, you could be a motivational speaker. Well, I don't know how motivational anything I just said is. <laughs> I've just said, if people knew you the way you really are, they would reject you. Is that motivational to you? Uh, but it is true, isn't it? You're not acceptable as you are. And so, because you know this, in an innate, in an innate sense, you, you have to prove your worth all the time. Like, you have to prove your acceptability. And all of this is just another way of saying that down deep, you know that you are unclean. Now, I realize that is never the word that you would use. In a secular culture, we would never use the word morally unclean. I get it. I understand. That doesn't make any difference. It's still there. But we would never use that word. Why would a woman so crave fame and significance that she would lie to the world about being a survivor of 9-11? Why? Uh, Look, are there psychological issues there? Sure, of course, probably. Might there be uh, familial issues there? Absolutely, I'm sure that that's probably true. But it starts with a sense of uncleanness in her mind that fame would overcome. Every human being, you, me, Alicia Head, everybody has this innate sense of uncleanness. And Jesus wants us to get that. And the sooner that you admit that to yourself, the better off you'll be. The sooner you own that, you can then move uh, toward the antidote for your uncleanness. Okay. Here's the second point that I want you to get. First one was that we all have this innate sense of uncleanness. Here's the second point. Every human being adopts a strategy to cleanse him or herself. Every human being adopts a strategy to cleanse him or herself. Okay. Which uh, I want you to notice that in this passage, Jesus says, it will never ever work. Whatever that strategy is, it will never ever work. Look at verses 18 and 19, where Jesus says to the disciples, he says to them, don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. And then verse 21 He says, for from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. What Jesus is saying here is rather simple. What's wrong with us? What's really wrong with the world? Why in the world, why is the world in such miserable shape? Why the shooting in Oregon this past week? Why do spouses commit adultery? Why do people steal your credit card information? Uh, Why do men put women down? Why is there misogyny in the world? Why is there racism in the world? What's wrong with this world? Jesus says the problem in the world is the human heart. It's the self-centeredness of the human heart. He says to these people, these people lived in a very religious culture. 
So he's talking about religion right now. Okay? He says to these people who live in a very religious culture, he said, you can work as hard as you want through washings. You can do all the washings in the world. You can, you, you can abide by all of the dietary laws in the world. You can follow all the external observances in the world. But that won't solve your heart problem. The problem is that all of that stuff is outside in. In fact, he even says it very explicitly here. You can eat all of the right foods, but he says it all goes right through the body and out into the toilet. Now, Jesus was throwing a little potty talk down on them in case they didn't understand, but that's what he's saying, okay? What he's saying to a religious culture is, hey, look, if, if you're hoping that anything external will somehow cleanse the human heart, sorry, it won't. Outside in does not work. Now, this is why Islam, Buddhism, veganism, Hinduism, legalistic perversions of Christianity don't work. They're all outside in. Obey this law on the outside. Somehow that will clean you on the inside. None of those work. Okay. Now, okay, let's do this. Let's bring this now into 2015 because we don't live in a culture that is particularly religious. Jesus was speaking to religious people here about the observances and all of that stuff, you know, the washings and uh, abide by all the dietary laws. We don't do that in our culture. Uh, how do people in our culture try to cleanse human hearts externally? Now, I'm just going to mention a few. One of them is religion, okay? There, there are still people that are religious today that try to cleanse their hearts through uh, religion. Uh, but there's some other ways. I'm going to mention three of them to you, but uh, three is not all that there are. Three more is not all there are. There are all sorts of ways, and for those of you who are in your city life groups, uh, you can develop this further uh, as you discuss the questions tonight in your group or whenever you guys meet that go along with the sermon. Okay, here's one way that people in our culture try to cleanse uh, the human heart from the outside. One way is through politics. Politics. What many people today believe is that what is really wrong with society, and you're going to hear this a lot during the upcoming presidential election season, that what's really wrong with society is not in the heart, it's social structures. It's a lack of education. It's a lack of technology. It's a lack of economic opportunity. If we can just correct those things, human society uh, will be great. Now, now, I do want you to understand that there is certainly a place for politics and social policy. We should do everything that we can to help people in our culture, absolutely. But again, the problem is that's an outside-in approach. History is littered with disillusioned people who thought capitalism will make us better, or socialism will make us better, or communism will make us better, but it hasn't. Instead, the sins of the human heart have just expressed themselves differently in every one of those governmental or economic systems. Outside in never works to deal with the sins of the human heart. Okay? So politics, that's one way people try. It doesn't work. Another way that people try to cleanse human hearts externally in our culture is through achievement. Now just remember, Jesus is talking to a religious culture here, but now we're taking those principles and applying them to the 21st century. Another way that people try to do this outside in is through achievement. The idea is, is, is that if I can advance to the top, if I can make enough money, if I can receive the praises of the people I work with or work for, if I can just drive a certain kind of car, if I can just wear clothes with the right labels, I can overcome my unworthiness, my uncleanliness. In fact, what people today believe is that no matter what I've had to do to achieve my success, no matter what compromises to my integrity, no matter who I've had to step on 
to climb the ladder of success, it will all be washed clean by my success. That's, that's what people today think. The problem is, you can have all of the achievements in the world, all the money in the world, drive all the right cars, wear all the right clothes. It will never deal with your heart's uncleanness. That's outside in. Outside in doesn't work. Okay? Achievement doesn't work. Here's another way, third way. Uh-oh, get ready. Some of you need to get ready for this. And this is going to really uh, tick you off. Okay? Perfectionism. Uh-oh, I said it. Yes, I did. Perfectionism. I am talking to all of you perfectionists whose closets and pantries and drawers and garages all look like pictures from a container store catalog. Okay. All of that perfectionism is an outside-in strategy to clean yourself. That's what it is, to make yourself acceptable. That's why it drives you nuts if somebody moves something an inch to the right. You've got to make sure that you're acceptable. Your perfectionism. It's an outside-in approach, and it doesn't work to clean yourself. Okay. Religion, politics, achievement, perfectionism, those are four strategies that people use today to remove their uncleanness. And there are many more, and as I said, I want you to develop that further in your city life groups tonight, wherever you, or whenever you meet, uh, but I want you to think about those. Okay. The problem with all of those is that they're, they're outside-in approaches, and Jesus says they'll never work to cleanse yourself. So what will work? What will cleanse you? Write this down. Write this down somewhere. Put it, like if you've got a Bible with you, make it really uh, big in your Bible. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, write it down someplace else. Uh, put it on the mirror of, uh, in, in your bathroom this week. Uh, put it in your car somewhere. Just make sure you don't forget this. Only Jesus can remove our uncleanness. Only Jesus can remove our uncleanness. I'd like for you to just say that with me out loud. Only Jesus can remove our uncleanness. Now, I want you to look at verse 19. Notice, I want you to notice, I had you notice this just a moment ago. Mark adds a little editorial comment here. And I don't want you to overlook it. Mark says, in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Now, it doesn't read, okay, remember, they had all these clean laws about what you could eat, what you couldn't eat, right? You got, nod your head, yes. They had all these clean laws about what you could eat, couldn't eat. Everybody on this side, nod your head. Because okay, I feel like I'm losing you guys over here. Before the service, these guys over here told me that they're a lot smarter than you guys. <laughs> and so just prove that that's not true by nodding your head again. We got gotcha, you. Okay, so they had all these unclean laws, right? Jesus is declaring all foods clean here. And Jesus doesn't say, he does not read, Jesus said all foods were clean. If it read just Jesus said all foods were clean, then maybe the meaning would be, well, hey, 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 Jesus is saying, okay, you know, don't make such a mess about these, a big fuss about these foods. The Old Testament laws, they were just kind of way nuts about this stuff. Everything's all right, go ahead, have a BLT. That's not what he says, okay? It reads, Jesus declared, Jesus pronounced. The Greek experts and commentators say Jesus is saying now, is saying, as of now, I declare, I make these foods clean. What's the significance of that? The only possibility is that Jesus is saying the clean laws have been fulfilled. The purpose of the clean laws were to point people to whom? Who are they to point people to? Jesus, that's right. And so the reason that you don't have to follow them the way that you used to is that they've been fulfilled in him. Now, how could Jesus say that? Well, the gospel writer Matthew quotes Jesus saying this, Matthew chapter 5. 
listen to this, do not think, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. So he wasn't just saying, don't, you know, you can just ignore all that stuff. It doesn't make any difference. Really never did. He's not saying that at all. He says, I have not come to abolish them, but I have come to fulfill them. So in other words, in Jesus, all of those laws are fulfilled. They find their purpose. They've pointed people to Jesus. Now look, any, it'd be fair if you thought this to yourself right now. Any false, deluded Messiah, any false, deluded Messiah could come along and say anything. They could come along and say that they fulfilled the law. David Koresh could, say, could have said, you know, you guys remember David Koresh? Anybody remember David Koresh? Okay. Uh, any false Messiah could come along and say, well, I fulfilled the law. Well, let me tell you, words are cheap. When did Jesus fulfill this? On the cross, that's right. On the cross, of course. All of the clean laws, all of the food laws, all of the sacrifices, everything in the law was to point the people of Israel to a coming Messiah who would provide the ultimate purification from the very real uncleanness that is there in you and in me. The uncleanness that comes from our sin, that separates us from God spiritually, that haunts each and every one of us psychologically, crying out from the depths of our soul that we need cleansed, compelling us to compulsively find some way, whether it's work, religion, politics, achievement, perfectionism, or anything else, some way to cleanse ourselves. Jesus was that Messiah that the law pointed to. And on the cross, Jesus became unclean for us. Hebrews 13 says that Jesus Christ was crucified outside the city gate of Jerusalem. Why outside the city gate of Jerusalem? Why is that significant? Well, it's because it was outside the gate where the dead bodies were burned, where the garbage heap was, places of absolute defilement, places of absolute uncleanness. As Jesus hung on the cross, blood flowed from his hands and his side. That was unclean. Feces ran down his leg. That was unclean. And when he drew his last breath, his own body became a corpse. That was unclean. In short, Jesus on the cross became unclean so that we could become clean. That's the gospel. Religion, you see, is outside in. If I do all these things, if I follow this law, if I make sure that I follow every step of one of those things, if I obey the code, if I do all those things, then God will come and maybe accept me and heal my heart so I won't feel so inconsequential. The gospel is inside out. It's not outside in. It's inside out. The gospel of God. The the gospel is God through Jesus Christ at infinite cost to himself, doing for us what we could never do for ourselves, cleansing us at the deepest level of our souls from our sin. He loves us, and we're clean in his sight, those who believe upon him now by sheer grace. And to the degree that you know that and that you understand that and that you preach it to yourself day in and day out and meditate on it and take it in deeply, then the gospel heals your heart. Then you can move, in, uh, move out into the world not scared, not needing approval, not having to validate yourself through your work, not oversensitive to criticism, not having to be and have things so perfect all the time. If you understand the gospel, take it in, preach it to yourself every day, meditate on it regularly. It'll cleanse your soul. Religion, politics, achievement, perfectionism, or all outside-in approaches to deal with our uncleanness, and they do not work. 
gospel is inside out. It cleans you from the inside. And over time, not instantly, over time, well, let me just say this. It does clean you instantly, but over time, that begins to manifest itself in your daily life. Not immediately, but over time, you change. Is there anybody here today who has something very specific in your past or maybe in your present that you feel really, really bad about? Like you feel guilty about? It's a, it a huge failure of some kind. And you've been spending all of your life trying to atone for it. Maybe it was an abortion. Maybe it was an affair. It was something you did that it was a lie that you told that allowed yourself to advance and somebody else didn't get to advance in their career because of what you did. Maybe it was something else. I, you know, I don't know. I want you to know that you don't have to atone for that. The sweet antidote to that sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. His blood cleanses you. Religion won't cleanse it. Politics won't cleanse it. Achievement won't cleanse it. Perfectionism won't cleanse it. But Jesus will. Believe in him. Don't wait another day. Okay. Believe in him. Don't wait another day. We're going to conclude our service a little differently today. Normally I just kind of conclude with a word of prayer. Jake and the band, you know, come up and sing a final song. They're going to come up and sing a final song in a moment. But here's what we're going to do right now. Instead of me praying, uh, I want you to have the opportunity to deal with your own uncleanness. We're going to put a prayer of confession up on the screen in just a moment. And we're just going to have a time of reflection. Just going to have a time of reflection. For those of you who've never believed upon Jesus Christ before, I think this would be a great time for you privately in your seat, you don't have to walk an aisle or anything, but just privately, to, to make a, you know, a personal statement about your belief in Jesus. You say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you're the only one who can cleanse me. Just say that privately in your seat. For those of you who have believed in Jesus, um, you know that we are always routinely having to come back to Jesus to just say, you know, look, my salvation hasn't changed. I'm, I, I, my, you know, your love for me hasn't changed, but I've blown it again, and I've sinned again, and I, ne- I, I just need to bring that to you and, and confess it. 